This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Take Radio episode 68 for Thursday, December 2nd, 2010. Tonight's music was Street Fighter 2, Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previous music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that number is 347 Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, of course, it's definitely a lighter news week just because a lot of shit didn't really happen last week. Everybody was too busy stuffing their face and partaking in Black Friday shopping, which is something I'm definitely going to be discussing during this broadcast. In addition to that, um, just a few things I wanted to go over for this week's show before I get into all the other shit. Uh, first off, uh, Splatterhouse Contest ends next week. Next week, all entries must be submitted, and um, I got to gripe a little bit about that because last time I checked, I had a really, really creative audience. You guys were super creative on, on the logo contest. You guys are always uh, showing off your artistic traits on Facebook and Twitter and all this other bullshit. So, you know, the one time that I'm doing a contest for a legit company and trying to do something for to give you guys shit, I get hardly any entries. Does nobody want free shit? It, you know, I, I'm not trying to be an asshole to the fans because, you know, you guys you guys support us, but not for nothing. It's like, it's free shit. I don't give a fuck if you, if you staple my take radio to your forehead and hold a, a Splatterhouse game in your hand for a photo. I don't care, but, you know, it's contributions like that that in the bit, in the grand scheme of things, besides getting you guys free swag, one of the things that it helps is it helps us get free shit. Because in us doing all these contests and, and the company seeing the interaction and seeing all the feedback, it allows us to be, you know, just gain more leeway in terms of getting uh, games to demo and stuff to try out and shit we can give away and all this stuff. I, I just feel that, you know, just something that got under my skin, and I don't usually complain about shit like that, but I've just noticed just little things like that. I mean, when we did the logo contest, it was kick-ass. A lot of people had some great logos, some of which you still see all over the different uh, things that My Take Radio uses, from Twitter to Facebook, uh, Tumblr, Formspring, all kinds of shit, which I'll also be discussing later on. And it just it just gets under my skin. Same shit with the forums. Uh, we broke 525 fans. And I love all the interaction on the Facebook fan page. I love hearing all you guys talking about a whole bunch of shit. 
Um, some of the stuff I post, just random stuff, and and it's great. I like seeing that interaction. I love interacting with the listeners. It it, it helps um not only put a um just the interactions at the forefront, but just giving you another way that I can be accessible and the rest of the MTR staff. So it kind of also fucking annoys me that at 526 fans, there's only 29 people in the forums. And there's, I don't know, 10 really, really active participants. I mean, myself included in that number, which is, which is weird because, you know, there's 25 people in the forums. And I got to throw a quick shout out to one of our listeners, Imperiumist, who's in the, uh, who's in the, for- in the chat right now. Uh, she came in during the Red interview. Um, she's hung around. She likes the show. She supports us. She's bringing more people into the forums. And all that, that's all it takes, just word of mouth. And I've and I got to give her a shout-out because, you know, she's, she's shown the show a lot of love. Uh, De Silva, who's in the, in the chat, he shows the show a lot of love and all the different guests that we've had. You know, it, it's great partnerships and stuff, but sometimes it just – I just wake up on the wrong side of the fucking bed, and um, it's just the way it is. It's, 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 it's silly, but it's, it's shit that as, as a show, as a brand – you you strive your hardest to give your listeners and your fans the the most of yourself. And when you don't see that shit, you know, I, I guess paying off in a way, it, it, it does tend to annoy you. And I know that some of the other MTR staff have brought it to my attention in different facets. And, you know, it goes without saying it with Twitter as well. You know, I, I support a lot of people on there, a lot of up-and-comers, a lot of people that are on the grind, that are hustling. And the reciprocation isn't there. And guess what? If you don't support the shit and you, you know, I don't, I don't hear from you guys, but yet I look out for y'all because I'm, I'm trying to be a, a good person and patient forward, then fuck y'all. That's how we're going to do it. If you don't support us, then why the fuck should I go out of my way to support you? It, it's silly and it sounds like I'm being bitter, but it's not about being bitter. It's about looking at MTR as a brand, as a future, as something that, can give you guys, the MMA guys, the video game fans, the movie buffs, the techies, the geeks, the nerds, everybody who likes the raw, uncut, uh, you know, just real radio, you guys deserve better, not only from me as a host, but just from your fellow fans. And if there's no interaction and, and shit like that, then, then I'm going to strive my hardest to make sure to give you guys 110%, period. All right, let me get off my fucking soapbox. Let's get into everything else. Ads are there. Um, the 125 by 125 ads, I have a few of them. I've been meaning to put them up. Um, there's actually some things I'm trying to work on to try and get some sponsorships for the site. And, you know, there might be some overlays and some shit that may pop up on the site, but it has to be done to generate revenue. It is what it is. Shit needs money to run. Uh, the donation button, you guys know the deal. I'm not going to get into it. Forums, like I said, mytakeradio.com slash forums. Stop in there. Talk whatever you want, wrestling, MMA, movies, video games, tech, gadgets, comics, fucking toys, the works. Mytakeradio.com slash forums. Um, of course, there have been new posts this week. Andrea did a really good post on the upcoming uh, Burn Notice movie. Uh, about Sam Axe's character. I'll be talking about that later tonight. Uh, lots of great content from Slicks, from Slick, you know, from Slick side of things. You got uh, Fire Breather. You got stuff for Transformers Prime. You got stuff for uh, GI Joe Renegade. You got a review for Mega Mind, and um, 
one of the other things that I'm that I'm working on, and I'm working on it with with somebody else, is regarding my Take Radio T-shirts, which I kind of I've I've entertained the thought for a while, and um, I think if done right, it could be really kick-ass. Um, what I'm gonna do in the coming weeks is probably post it in the forum, and um, basically I want to put it out there for shirts, and I'm gonna take a, a tally of how many people want to order them. And we're going to build a design. We're going to, you know, put a pre-order out. You guys order them. And once, you know, once the pre-orders are done, we'll get the shirts and we'll send them out to you guys. You guys like them, we'll keep doing them. You don't like them, keep them. Use them to wash your car. I don't give a shit. But I think that um, definitely got to start taking it to the next level in terms of merch just because it helps establish MTR as more of a presence and more of a brand. So you're going to see that in the coming weeks, hopefully, uh, talking to somebody behind the scenes. I'm not going to put them on blast till we figure it out, but um, definitely something coming up in the near future. Of course, i got to give a shout-out to our content partners, MMA Valor, who, of course, joined us. For, uh, Josh from MMA Valor, I should say, joined us for the MMA panel last week, so definitely great job from him. He will be coming by probably uh, in the coming weeks for – uh, some fight picks, and we probably will be doing another fight panel just because it seems that a lot of people like those, and it opens up some really great discussions and really great dialogue, so be on the lookout for that. And um, Facebook fan page, like I said, we just broke 525 fans. Um, definitely not stopping there. Um, again, welcome new fans. You know, Thank you guys for spreading the word, getting it out there. Uh, the next stop is 1,000 fans. I'm not going to talk too much about uh, numbers from now on until we hit a thousand, and I know we can. So that's that's the next game right there. Thousand fans, you heard it here first. And my goal for the thousand fans is to reach it before our next one year and before our next anniversary, um, which is during the summer. And I definitely know we can do it. So keep spreading the word, folks, and we're going to keep giving you uh, kick-ass radio every week. Lots of great guests, hopefully coming up sooner rather than later. Just got to tie up some loose ends. And more event coverage because it's going to be coming as well. With that said, we're going to talk about a couple of things tonight. First off, the Ultimate Fighter finale. Got to talk about that. Got to talk about the finale for the season and the the finalists, which will be fighting this Saturday. We got the Strike Force event this Saturday. Um, in addition to that, I want to talk about the, the bullshit with Monday Night Raw and King of the Ring. Raw overall was passable, but there are a couple of things that just got on my fucking nerves, which they need to be addressed. It just, it just needs to happen. In addition to that, um, I want to go a little bit into TNA Impact just because there's certain little things that I've noticed that, you know, it definitely, um, I don't know, but... It's it's bugging me just because I'm I've been reading a lot of shit on Twitter and seeing a lot of things. We're also going to be talking about the release of one of one a superstar from SmackDown that I didn't see coming a mile away. Um, Chael Sonnen's uh, uh, California State Athletic Commission hearing was today. Uh, definitely a lot of humor out of that whole fucking clusterfuck of a hearing. We're going to talk about that shit too. We got a lot of really shitty movie news this week. We're a little light on gaming news. So I don't know how that's going to affect the show. But as always, you can feel free to call in and chat about any of the shit that we're going to talk about. And the call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, 
3541 are the seven magic digits. Let's get it started with MMA first. Uh, the Ultimate Fighter uh, finale, well, the, um, the, the semifinal fights were this, were this week, and um, your fights were Kyle Watson against Jonathan Brookins and Michael Johnson versus Nam Fan. A couple of things I got to talk about that, I, that definitely got my attention during this particular episode. Number one, uh, there was an incident that I watched with Mark Stevens where he was making fun of Josh Koscheck and he was complaining that he felt that he didn't learn anything. He felt that, you know, he, he just, the experience wasn't that good. Um, you know, Team Koscheck took the opportunity to complain about how Team GSP had so many great trainers come in and they didn't have the same opportunities. Um, of course, it was almost a no-brainer that Koscheck would show up and he kind of let shit rock because, you know, they were drinking and shit. But he did say something which is kind of valuable as well in regards to this whole season. And it was the fact that he didn't like that the fighters were blaming him for their losses when they should be blaming themselves. Now, you can look at this and, and debate it a couple of different ways. Koscheck was on there doing his thing, and he... Um, he was a bit of a douche, but he was more of a TV douche. He had no problem training his guys. I didn't really see him getting more mixed in training with them, but definitely he, he did a great job training. It's not like he sat there and, and gave orders like Shamrock did during the, that one season of The Ultimate Fighter. He, he was active in trying to get those guys ready. The only thing I will say is this. When – you go to try out for the ultimate fighter and you bust your ass. You try and you're, you're, you know, you're trying to get to the main stage. You don't just get to the ultimate fighter and then stop. You work harder and you proceed to get into the UFC. The ultimate fighter is not where you should fucking phone it in and expect to get over just on raw talent. Your job as a fighter is to go in there and grow and take from something, take something from that experience and carry it over into a career in the UFC. It's really unfortunate that some of these guys sit there and they bitch about the fact that, oh, you know, I didn't have these opportunities and, you know, the GSP had better coaches and blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit? It's not a team sport. It's, an indiv it's a sport of individual accomplishment. Yeah, you got your fight cast and you got your team that helps you get ready, but you don't get in there with a team of motherfuckers to fight in the cage. You get in there one-on-one, -on -one, man to man, And the fact that these guys are sitting there and they're saying that they didn't take anything from, from Koscheck's training, you're, you're getting training from a guy who is a, a world-class wrestler. In addition to that, you got Dave Camarillo in there. You, you got guys in there that are working with you. If you don't take anything from that, you can't blame Josh Koscheck. He's not in there fighting for you. That's your job. So, you know, I kind of found it, a little, I, I found it to be a little disingenuous. I didn't like that. But, but, again, on the flip side, maybe he could have coached them better. Maybe he should have gotten guest coaches. Maybe he should have, you know, tried to get other fighters to come in there and help. You can, like I said, you can debate this a couple of different ways. And it's unfortunate, but it seems that this has been – something that I've noticed in the last couple of seasons. There's always a couple of guys that complain, oh, these guys got better people. You know, yeah, don't get me wrong. GSP had fucking Mike Tyson there. He had a couple of really great people come in and talk to his fighters. But that's also because GSP was taking something from the experience. One thing you've got to look at that, did, that 
And it's not really something that differentiates Koscheck and GSP. is the fact that GSP, he looks at the sport not just as a job, but as a learning experience. He took the opportunity to get in there and train with these guys, and I'm sure that training with some of these, with some of these younger guys and some of these fresh faces helped evolve GSP's training. So, like I said, I, just, I was bothered by that whole little exchange for, and, and conflicted at the same time. But let's get into the fights. Kyle Watson versus Jonathan Brookins. Uh, definitely Jonathan Brookins was doing his thing. Um, he ended up winning 30-27 across the cards. And it's funny because Kyle Watson, uh, great jiu-jitsu pra- practitioner, uh, just great on the ground. Brookins, like, like he's a fucking sponge. The, the guy just came in kind of quiet, went under the radar, and just got better and better and better. On the flip side, you know, he fought in the WEC, and he, he went three rounds with Jose Aldo, which, you know, not a lot of people can fucking do anyway. So definitely, Brookins is the real deal, and, and he showed it against a real established guy like Kyle Watson. I mean, Brookins came in 11-2. and two, Watson is 13-6. and six, His jiu-jitsu is sick. Uh, first round definitely opened up with a bit of a flurry. Uh, Brookins working on the clinch. Uh, Watson was trying to get a couple of big punches and big shots, but they just weren't working. Um, Brookins did a lot of really great defense. Um, Brookins ended up closing the round out with, with some good hard punches uh, from, from the top position. Round two, Brookins again, which is ballsy, shot in for a takedown early, which, you know, against a guy like, like Kyle Watson, it, it, that's a big gamble. But, you know, Brookins, again, doing his thing, just taking a fight to the ground, not, not showing any fear. I was really impressed. Uh, round three, a little bit more of the same. Uh, Brookins, again, he took Watson's back in the final 15 seconds of the round, which is amazing. So definitely props to Jonathan Brookins. He, he looked he fucking awesome. That's all I got to say. Uh, moving on, Michael Johnson and Nam Fan. I'll tell you what, Nam Fan was the favorite going in, and this, this fight surprised the shit out of me just because you saw a, a, almost a, a, a more, a, not a hungrier Michael Johnson, but just a Michael Johnson that knew that this was a fight that had to be one of his better performances to get into the finals. And it showed in the, in, in the first round. Nam opened up strong, but um, Johnson used his wrestling. He used a really varied offense to get in there and do his, do his job, which was good. Um, when they were clinched in the cage, uh, you know, Johnson got some really great takedowns, and he was starting to show an improved striking, with, you know, an improved striking game, which was really, really good to see. Uh, I, I like Michael Johnson. Like I said, I would have actually picked um, Michael Johnson and Nam Fan from the, from the first few fights, but Brookins came in, and he just fucking fucked up the whole game. But needless to say, uh, round two was a little bit – I would almost say that the round was 50-50 just because – Johnson, uh, he shot it for a couple of takedowns, but Nafan threw a lot of really great punches, which Johnson blocked most of them. Um, but again, really even round. Round three, though, definitely Michael Johnson doing more of the same, just coming in there. He was keeping Nafan against the fence, just doing a lot, a lot more, just keeping him in the fence, using, just being more aggressive, which was good. And um, Michael Johnson ended up taking it by split decision. Again, you know, Nam fan definitely very depressed with the outcome. Uh, the finale is going to be Michael Johnson versus Jonathan Brookins. I can't even pick 
because it would be a, a, a real disservice to Jonathan Brookins to, to bet against him just because every time I have, he fucking bursts my bubble and he does a really great job going in there and he kicks ass. I thought Kyle Watson was the guy that stood the biggest chance of taking Brookins out. And I honestly thought Nam Fan was going to go and, and steamroll through Michael Johnson. So definitely a, a fight that I really can't call. I, I'd like to see Brookins win because, again, he just came in real quiet under the radar. And Michael Johnson is just a, an exciting fighter that he'll end up being in the UFC anyway. But with that said, a better, a better end to the season than I expected. And, you know, the right guys got in there. And, of course, that – card is going to be happening this weekend um, on Spike TV. And again, really, really great fights. First off on the main card, you got Leonard Garcia. He's fighting Nam Fan. Nam Fan's dropping down to featherweight to fight Leonard Garcia. So definitely looking forward to that. You got Johnny Hendricks and Rick Story. You got Damian Maya versus Kendall Grove. The, uh, the lightweight bout for the, for the contract with Brookins and Johnson. And the main event is Bonner. And I always fuck up these... Um, I would say it's a Polish name, Pokrzak. Uh, but Stefan Bonner is fighting Igor Pokrzak for the main event. Um, definitely some really great fights on there. The preliminary card has, of course, members of the Ultimate Fighter cast fighting on there. you got Cody McKenzie fighting Aaron Wilkinson. Sako is fighting Kyle Watson. Uh, definitely fights. that I, I would have actually liked to see uh, Sako and Kyle Watson just because of, of Sako's judo background. But, hey, you never know. We might get it anyway. But um, Leonard Garcia and Nam Fan, I definitely want to see. I'm stoked for that. Maya and Grove, for sure. And, of course, the finals, always. And, and Bonner always gives a, a bloodbath whenever he goes in there to fight. So, definitely looking forward to that. In addition, of course, like I said, this weekend, you're also going to have the Strike Force card on Showtime. So, you're going to definitely want to check that. The main event is Dan Henderson fighting Babalu. Then you got Paul Semtex Daly fighting Scott Smith, Robbie Lawler and Matt Lindland. Uh, Mike Kyle is subbing for um, Valentin Overeem, who was injured, to fight Antonio Silva. And Benji Raddick is going to be fighting over in St. Perot as well. On the preliminary card, um, you got Wayne Phillips versus Fernando Batega on that card, Terrell Brown versus Patrick Cummins, um, Ben Brown versus J.W. Wright and a host of other fights, again, that's on Showtime. So if you got Showtime, definitely check it out. And, of course, if you got Spike, make sure to check out The Ultimate Fighter as well. Um, let's get into some MMA news. First off, one of my favorite MMA fighters, Mr. International, Shoney Carter, of course, announced his retirement recently. And he's been saying that he looks to want to make the jump to pro wrestling. Uh, he's saying that he wants to go into the WWE He's worked with CM Punk in the gym, and he feels that he, it's something he wants to do. He's decided he wants to try and go into the WWE. When asked about his retirement, he, he actually gave a, a legit statement, which is as follows. I've been thinking about it. It's just I'm fed up with decision losses. I'm tired of younger fighters building their credibility on my name. If you even get an inkling of a rumor that I'm about to fight again, I'll tell you this. It's going to be financially worth it. I've paid my dues. I don't need to keep beating up my body for the mere pittance that I was being offered. Can't blame the man. I, one thing that concerns me if he wants to make a jump to professional wrestling is that given Shoney Carter's persona, I really don't want to see him saddled with something like the Ernest the Cat gimmick because the Ernest Miller gimmick, for those of you that have watched WCW, you guys know that it was fucking terrible, that James Brown shit, 
and trying to be a pimp, it's, it's stunk. If, if you want people to take Shoney Carter seriously, let him come in there and just be a badass dude that can fuck people up. Make him a submission specialist. Focus on his MMA background. Don't give him a character. Don't turn him into a, a you know an R-Truth flunky that comes out there fucking Harlem shaking with, with stupid-ass R-Truth. If Shoney Carter is going to be in wrestling, I want to see Shoney Carter u- utilizing his strengths, not being some sideshow attraction that Vince McMahon can fucking make money off of and give a kick to the curb to. That's not something I want to see. WEC 53 will be taking place December 16th. That's going to be the final WEC event, and it is official now with 11 bouts. Uh, you got two championship fights. you got Ben Henderson and Anthony Showtime Pettis for the lightweight title. Uh, the winner of that is going to be fighting the winner of um, Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard to unify the belts. Uh, the bantamweight title is going to be defended with Dominic Cruz and, Sh- and Scott Jorgensen. Uh, you got uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Chris Hordecki on there. You got Bart, Por- Bart Polshevsky and Kamal Shalarus. And um, in addition to that, great preliminary card with uh, Jamie, Vine- Jamie Varner, Ivan Menjavar. Um, definitely those two fight, the, the Varner fight and the Menjavar fight, I definitely want to see. I'm hoping that it can get a little bit of TV time. But nonetheless, if you haven't seen the WEC or you're not familiar with the fighters, I definitely recommend you guys check out the WEC. Great, uh, great bantamweight fighters, great featherweight fighters. These guys, once they merge with the UFC, you're going to be seeing some exciting, consistently badass fights. So definitely give the WEC your support December 16th as it's their last event before merging with the UFC. In some other MMA news, last week I discussed Dana White kind of not, not shitting on Greg Jackson, but definitely not not being a fan of the way Greg Jackson does things. One of the things Dana White went on record as saying that he didn't like was the fact that uh, Greg Jackson's camp likes to tell their fighters that they're winning when they're clearly not. In a lot of cases, this makes fighters want to coast through the rounds and not give per- the, the better performances that they should be giving. Again, this has been up for debate for a while. Uh, Dana White kind of just sparked it a little further. Greg Jackson went on record, which... Um, you know, MMA Junkie really summed up quite nicely, and I just want to pick a couple of things. Uh, Jackson went in and he disputed Dana White's claims with just plain stats. That's what it was, just plain stats. He said the following. Uh, John Jones has finished two of his three most recent opponents in the first round. Clay Guida, who submitted two of his three most recent opponents. Shane Carwin, who stopped four of his five UFC opponents in the first round. Donald Cerrone, who won performance bonuses in six out of his seven most recent fights, and, of course, GSP, who dominated Dan Hardy recently, were some of the things he cited. In addition to that, he said that his fighters have taken home performance bonuses in every other UFC event. He, in regards to the Marquardt situation, uh, Greg Jackson stated that Marquardt is such a talented guy, and what I'm seeing is stuff uh, – No, well, no. Dana White said the following. Marquardt is such a talented guy, and I'm seeing – what I'm seeing is stuff from the Greg Jackson camp. This camp continuously, when these guys fight, their corners telling them that they're ahead or they're winning, which is, you know, definitely not something you want to do. I mean, me and um, Josh from MMA Valor joked about that quite, quite at length when he was on before. Um, Greg Jackson disputed that, and he said, we might have had a performance that the fans didn't like. So if you're going to criticize that, that's fine. 
Dana, of all people, has the right to criticize anything he wants. It's his organization. But to say that everybody doesn't try to finish a fight and that it's a consistent problem with us when the exact 180-degree uh, opposite is true, I don't think there's another team that can claim half of all the bonuses given by the UFC. Almost every event, one out of two, you're going to see us take home an award. I'm not making this up. It's hard facts. Jackson maintains, of course, that he respects Dana's opinion, even if he disagrees. You know, it's unfortunate that, that people got to look at it this way. And, again, there are detractors that, that say that, you know, Dana was right, or, and then you got the other side that says Dana was wrong. The way I see it is if the fights are exciting, they're exciting. But on the same, on the same note, you can't expect every fight to be 101% foot to guess. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes there's going to be fights that are super, super exciting. Then there's going to be fights that are so-so, and then there's going to be fights that you, know, you just don't give two fucks about. It happens. It's just one of those things where you're not always going to get 100%, but when you have a stacked card, yeah, if you have one or two fights that aren't that great, then the other couple of fights should deliver. Yeah, there are instances where the cards aren't great, and it's all decision victories, or it's all, you know lay and pray wrestling, which people complain about. But at the end of the day, you're getting more MMA for your dollar now than you were five years ago. You got Spike TV, you got Versus, you got Showtime, you got a wealth of fights, you got a, a, a huge pool of fighters, plus tons of up-and-coming fighters, including those from the Ultimate Fighter, Strike Force Challenges, uh, Tachi Palace Fights, um, Bellator, tons of guys. There, there, there's tons of people out there that are that are bleeding for your entertainment. Are the fights always going to be a thousand percent exciting? No, but you owe it to yourself to give every fighter a chance to, to entertain and to make the fights enjoyable. That's the way I see it. That you sit there and you bitch about all these menial things. You're not going and cutting weight and you're not going in there and getting punched in the face. So to, to gripe about shit like that is it, it's fucked up for fans, especially it's just the way it is. To round out the MMA news, of course, Chael Sonnen's uh, California State Athletic Commission hearing was today. And let me tell you, I watched the stream of that today, and it was highly fucking amusing. Chael Sonnen is out of his mind, and I'm really glad that he'll be back in the UFC sooner rather than later. Basically, it ended up turning out that he did not get the one-year sus suspension that everybody thought he was going to get. It ended up being reduced to six months, and he has a $2,500 fine. Also, during the same hearing, they were supposed to be uh, having Josh Barnett's relicensing re hearing done, but it ended up being delayed. Um, Chael Sonnen, a couple of uh, things that were noted was the fact that, you know, Chael Sonnen was being suspended for having elevated testosterone levels. Um, since then, Chael Sonnen's gone on record as saying that he had, gone under, he had undergone testosterone replacement therapy since 2008 as a treatment for hypergonadism a treatment in which there is a hyperfunction of the gonads, um, at which point the decision first was deadlocked 2-2, then it ended up being voted 3-1. As such, Chael Sonnen will be back March 2nd of 2011, and I'm sure he's definitely in the, in the mix with the winner of the Vitor Belfort-Anderson Silva fight, who, of course, will meet Yushin Okami. It's almost a no-brainer that Chael Sonnen will meet the winner of the... Okami, and either Belfort Silva fight. So definitely, I was very happy to see Chael not get the one-year suspension. People are saying that 
um, oh, he's, you know, he's a cheater, this, that, and the third. If the guy has a legit health issue and he has medical proof that he's undergone testosterone th- replacement therapy, and if the athletic commission fucked up, it's not something, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a fucking medical professional. I'm a fan of the fighter. So the way I see it is we'll see him in six months instead of a year. That's it. Everybody who sits there and they armchair quarterback the shit out of it, oh, well, you know, they should have done a better job reporting it to the athletic commission or, you know, why the fuck didn't Chael Sonnen tell Dana White or blah, 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 this, that, and the third. There's tons of shit out there that you can read on other MMA blogs and in other MMA shows that if you want to dispute or validate those findings, you can do. Me, as just a fan of Chael Sonnen, I'm happy to see him coming back in six months as opposed to a year. He's, he's good for the sport. He's a, he's, a, he's, a great, he's a great promoter of his fights. He's a great shit talker. So fuck it. It is what it is. So you know what? See you in March, Chael. And, of course, Josh Barnett will have his hearing rescheduled for February. Going to take a quick commercial break. When I come back, we're going to talk about fucking wrestling because there's a lot of bullshit I want to discuss. And with that, check out this little commercial from our own Tumbling with Tumbleweed with Don Anderson. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know, Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, and we're back. Let's talk some wrestling. Um, of course, WWE Raw was live this week with the three-hour King of the Ring tournament. In addition to that, a couple of other things were announced that I will be discussing in this segment. But let's talk about Raw first. Uh, Our guest was uh, Miss Universe, Rima, I guess it's Faki, F-A-K-I-H. If I fuck up some of these names, I'm sorry. Anyway, of course, the big hubbub was the Miz becoming your WWE champion. Now, of course, people hate The Miz and they hate that he's champion and blah, blah, blah. And and I understand that because you know what? I hate The Miz as champion. But then I was thinking about it and talking about it with a couple of my friends online and in person over the last few weeks. When The Rock first became champion, it was a lot of the same shit. People hating on The Rock and, oh, what the fuck? He doesn't deserve it. I don't like The Miz as champion. I don't. I don't. I don't like it. And I'll tell you why. There's a lot of other guys that have broken their balls to get to the upper mid card that deserve the opportunity just as much as the Miz. Now, don't get me wrong. By putting the belt on the Miz, you get TMZ exposure, you get mainstream appeal, you get the MTV generation that watched him on The Real World, you get all those casual fans that know him as the Real World guy, and they may tune into Raw and see some shit. In addition to that, The Miz has been a... He's an entertainer. He's been doing shit for MTV. He's been all over the place. He has a good media presence. He does. I've seen him do tons of interviews. I've seen him do tons of shit where he has great presence with media. When it, when it comes to promo work, 
a lot of people say that he's improved. The Miz is good at talking shit and closing it out with I'm awesome. He's never given a a a deeper promo than I don't know, John Cena. Like John Cena's face promos are fucking stupid. It's always him doing some lame cookie cutter PG joke. And the Miz is of course the opposite of that. It's him doing some lame oh, you know, your sports team sucks and blah, blah, blah. The only thing is that the Miz gets that mainstream appeal that the WWE strives for. I don't agree with it. I don't. But I understand the rationale behind it. Now, again, some people say, what are you going to do, put the belt on Sheamus? Yeah, he's had the belt. Sheamus actually is an okay champion. He's a good heel. Um, A lot of people are like, oh, well, they should have just left the belt on Orton. But Orton has some shoulder injuries, which, of course, he's getting checked out. That's why you didn't see him this week on Raw. Um, In addition to that, Cena is fired, and I want to discuss the fuckery that that that, that entails. But, I I mean, you could have put the belt on a guy like John Morrison. I don't know if he's ready yet. I mean, John Morrison has a a great moveset. I feel his promos are a little – they're a little suspect. I remember when he was on ECW – he had some really great promos when he was the shaman of sexy and, you know, there's no crying in the palace of wisdom. Uh, shit like that, that worked. I just feel that The Miz, I un- again, I understand why they did it. Am I happy about it as a fan? No. Uh, Dark Helmet Cena is fired, in quotes. Thank you, Slick, for um, informing them of that. Th- again, Let's talk about the rest of Raw because, like I said, of course the big to-do was the Miz winning the WWE Championship, but let's talk King of the Ring first. Uh, your quarterfinal matches for King of the Ring are Alberto Del Rio versus uh, Daniel Bryan, John Morrison and Cody Rhodes, uh, Ezekiel Jackson and Drew McIntyre, and Kofi Kingston and Sheamus. And you reading these matches now, you kind of have an idea who's going to win, but let's go right down the list. First off, Alberto Del Rio, surprised that he actually ended up advancing to the semifinals against Daniel Bryan. I don't know. I mean, yeah, Daniel Bryan doesn't need the King of the Ring gimmick to get over, but neither does Alberto Del Rio. So, again, this could have gone either way. I took it for what it was. And, you know, Michael Cole fucking, you know, verbally jerking the mids was fucking annoying throughout the whole broadcast. I know you're trying to have Michael Cole be this heel announcer and shit, but he stinks with that. He sits there and, oh, the Miz is so awesome, and this is the era of awesome, and it's like, why don't you just swallow his load already? Fuck. It, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. You know, like, why, why don't you just let him fucking squirt in your throat because you're really blowing this guy on national television. But you know what? That is the reason I think that they do it with that they use Michael Cole for this because you hate Michael Cole just about as much as you hate the Miz. Period. You do for quite a few reasons. Let's move on. The next uh, quarterfinals match was Cody Rhodes and John Morrison. If you thought for one second that Cody Rhodes was going to get the nod for that, you're insane. Of course, ends up being you know it ends up being John Morrison doing a really great job in there. Um, John Morrison advances. Quarterfinals, Drew McIntyre and Ezekiel Jackson, um, they ended up going with a double countout. I guess they didn't want to make either of these guys look weak. 
which, look, let, let's, let's call it like it is. Kendall Scottish, fucking Scottish Kendall Drew McIntyre sucks. He is not cool. I don't give a fuck how you repackage him. The, the fucking scoundrelous Scott or whatever the fuck you want to call him. Package him with Cody Rhodes. Dress him up in a fucking chicken suit. He stinks. He has no mic presence. He has no, what, because he, you know, he, he's some long, he has good hair because he uses Perk Plus. You're, you're pushing the guy because he knows how to fucking, he knows how to moisturize his hair. Give me a break. He stinks. I like Ezekiel Jackson. He's, he's really getting the Ahmed Johnson push. I don't really think it's a bad thing. His mic work, he, he doesn't speak much. Usually you'll see it, the camera pan to him when he wins, and he'll be like, yeah, son, that's what it's all about, yo, for real. And he's all, you know, he's just like a, he's like Mr. T in his prime. He's like Clubber Lang. Like, that's the kind of gimmick that they should just give him, just him just coming out talking shit. And saying, I pity the fool. They should just give him some shit like that. Because that, that's what he reminds me of. It's just that, that, that Ahmed Johnson, that crazy. You've got to make him like the crazy black dude who just fucks people up. Don't give him no gimmicks. Just, you know, it's funny because a, a buddy of mine called him Black Tista. Just because, you know, big jacked up dude and they're giving him kind of, not the Superman push, but definitely pushing him in that direction where he's just like a no-nonsense dude fucking people up. It, it, was, a, it was a funny discussion and and, you know, again, I kind of see that, but going with the double count out, I, I, yeah, it protected both guys, but really, the, would it have mattered had Drew McIntyre fucking eaten uh, the book of Ezekiel finishing move? Had it mattered had Ezekiel Jackson lost to Drew McIntyre, who's, you know, the chosen one? Not really. Let's move on. You know, we get a Miz promo because we knew it was going to happen. And he comes out, and he cuts his little promo, blah, 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 Randy Orton, fuck Roddy Piper, I've beaten all your heroes. He actually called out JBL, which I was very amused with, and Triple H. But the JBL thing in particular, because JBL, when he was in the WWE, gave The Miz a lot of shit. So it amuses me that The Miz would bring him up in a promo. I actually am, am uh, very impressed with that, just because they had a little bit of real world in there. No pun intended. Of course, Jerry Lawler, for some reason, old-ass Jerry Lawler has something to say about, you know, the Miz and his title reign, and he demands that somebody fresh should be given a title shot. So they end up giving Lawler a match against the Miz, which was beyond me. It must have been Jerry Lawler's birthday or some shit. Well, uh, that's what I heard. I think it was his birthday. Who knows? Who gives a shit? Kofi Kingston and Sheamus, King of the Ring quarterfinals. Again, without even thinking about this match, I knew Sheamus was going to win because Sheamus, again, another guy, he's got, he's got that hardcore push going on. I don't know what happened to Kofi Kingston. When he was feuding with Randy Orton and he was badass Kofi Kingston, it was good. It was, it was great. You know, it was, um, you know, it was, how can I say? It was a different side of Kofi Kingston. It wasn't, you know, happy, smiling, I'm going to jump around and fucking, you know, have one have one great move that, that comes out. No. It was a Kofi Kingston that showed a different level, a, a newer type of aggression, which you just don't see. It's like he's just happy-go-lucky, smiling Kofi Kingston. It's great and all, but that shit gets fucking old. You know, it's like, it's like here, we're just going to make you an Uncle Tom, and you're just going to get your ass whooped. But the fans like you. But 
you're just going to get your ass whooped. That's what happens. I, I like Kofi Kingston. He's awesome. I like his moveset. Um, he's exciting. You know, he has the little kids get all hype when the music hits, and, you know, he's got the little, the little boom-boom shit and the self-high-five shit. And, you know, that's cool, but other than, you know, smiling and shit, you know, he, don't, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. It's like, it's like Denzel Washington and Malcolm X. It's like, you know, oh, we're here to entertain you. You know, we're here to, to juke and jive and make you laugh. And it's true. It's, you know, it, he, that's the description for Kofi Kingston. Nonetheless, Sheamus won. Moving on, little tag match with Mark Henry and Yoshitatsu. I, I don't give a shit about this match because they were fighting fucking Ginger Kid and, and Emo Guy, a.k.a. Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel. But Yoshitatsu is, is a guy who's, again, under the radar. He's a guy who has a great moveset, very talented. He has fucking the, the, the creepiest and, and funniest theme music out there, and you just don't see him on television. I don't know. And then you put him in a match with Mark Henry, which Mark Henry sucks the energy out of a room. He's a big dude. He, he's great, but he just he just sucks the energy out of the room. He, it, it, I don't know. It's, ugh. it's absurd. Moving on. Anyway, Alberto Del Rio, John Morrison uh, in the semifinals. Uh, Rey Mysterio came out. Tried to steal Alberto Del Rio's car. Del Rio got distracted. And, you know, John Morrison advances. They threw in a little uh, six diva tag action. Fucking terrible. Just just terrible. You got Maurice Tamina and Alicia Fox against Gail Kim, who I'm surprised still has a job, Melina and Natalia. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to play up the Tamina Santino gimmick, which is fine. They don't really let this chick wrestle enough for me to even say that she sucks or not. Like, I just know her as Jimmy Superfly Snooker's daughter, and, you know, she has really wild hair like her father, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Can she wrestle or not? Fuck if I know, because I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Slick gets a very great line from the chat. He puts, Mark Henry sucks the chicken out of a room. Again, don't think it's any kind of racial humor on my part because Slick, if you didn't know, is black. So he can say shit like that. So don't get offended. Don't get your proverbial panties in a bunch, uh, you know, armchair fucking listeners that complain about everything. Nonetheless, Divas match, it was uh, Natalia winning with the sharpshooter. Most of it was just to get over the Santino bit. Sheamus, John Morrison are your finals. Decent match from those guys. I was impressed. Sheamus ends up winning. Sheamus is your king of the ring. Now, if you've noticed, the, the main event, of course, is the Miz and Jerry Lawler. Lawler, of course, they tried to make it look like he was going to win. Match was, you know, it, you know, your fucking challenge is a 61-year-old man. Michael Cole jumps in and makes the save to let the Miz retain the belt. Make of it what you will. But one thing I didn't mention in the broadcast, which I'm going to talk about now, is John Cena bought a ticket to the event, and he proceeded to involve himself throughout the night. Let me, let me, let me tell you why, why this gets under my fucking skin. When you get fired in a real job, you're not allowed back. And if you are allowed back, there has to be security, you have to be watched, blah, 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 blah. John Cena jumped the guardrail and involved himself in multiple matches 
where was security? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's shitty to say, but if you want to get the story over, it's those little touches that help. John Cena attacked motherfuckers, and he had knee pads on, knee pads, because, you know, he wears them when he wrestles. So how are you a fired guy not only attacking performers since you're fired, but you're in ring gear? You have knee pads on. What the fuck is that? Who, right, who doesn't notice shit like that? Because, again, wrestling is fake. And I know it's fake and it's scripted and blah, blah, blah. And people are going to be like, oh, well, you know, this shit's not real. So what are you complaining about? I'm complaining about the little fucking touches that are integral to storylines. It's like something that I noticed on The Walking Dead this week which is a shitty reference to use since we're not in the movie segment, but there was a segment in The Walking Dead where somebody was complaining about a hose being broken and a car was stranded on the, other, on the side of the road. And the explanation was, you know, this should have been fixed. You know, we talked about it before, which they did in a few episodes. And then all of a sudden, the Winnebago is magically driving with the rest of the caravan. Wasn't the shit broken? Didn't, did it not get fixed? How did it get fixed? Where did they magically get a hose to fix it? Did any, you know, it's little touches like that, little shit like that, that, you know, really just annoys me. It's fucking stupid. You know, it's like you're fired. Why are you in, in wrestling gear? Why? How did that happen? You're, 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 you're fired, but you're in wrestling gear, and yet there's no security either. In addition to that, they're in fucking Philly, and, you know, John Cena's wearing, like, fucking jean shorts. Like, he, he shouldn't have been, he'd been wearing jeans, and Timberland boots and shit. You know, shouldn't he be in, in real street gear? Shouldn't security be dragging him out after he tried to attack the first guy? That's how you add storylines. That's what you do. Uh, I don't know. It, it, like I said, I don't mind Seamus getting king of the ring, but these little storyline touches sucked. They fucking sucked ass. That, that's it. They did. <laughs> That's what that, that's that's what that fucking deserves. Little, how do the writers not see shit like that? And you know what? I'll get a little bit into TNA Impact, and we'll wrap up the wrestling news. I just want to. There, there are certain things, certain things I just I just don't like. Number one, the, this whole Devon Dudley, Bubba Ray Dudley shit, where they're you know Devon's the face, Bubba's the heel. You motherfuckers can't work. Singles. Bubba Ray Dudley was only popular during a singles run at, at, a, at one point during the WWE, when, he, when they were in the WWE. And it wasn't that great. It wasn't. Why, why don't you guys just work backstage? All your matches are formulaic. I love the Dudley boys. They're great. But the, ta the tag teams in TNA, they're younger. They're, they're more innovative. What's up, headbutts and 3Ds? Other than that, their defense is the same. It's usually Devon getting his ass whooped and then convulsing like he's having a seizure and then Bubba Ray Dudley saving the fucking day. Uh, what's up, headbutt? Get the tables, testify, team 3D fucking through the table, 3D through the table, and that's it. Very formulaic. It was, uh Just little things like that. The knockout match with uh, Sarita, Angelina Love, and Madison Rain. Really fucking crazy finish, which I didn't like. Matt Morgan fought Rhino. Flair fucking handpicked Rhino for this fucking stupid match. 
Then uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this was because of the Jersey Shore, Jersey Fist Pump Showdown with Robbie E. and Jay Lethal. They go, they make opening statements, fucking dances, shit, more shit. Of course there's a brawl. Blah, blah, ugh. It sucked. It, 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 was, it was stupid. It was stupid. Then you get a little fucking altercation with Christy and, and Cookie. Let me tell you something about the Shore gimmick. The Shore gimmick needs more time to cultivate. If you want to do this and you want to fucking burn my retinas with this stupid fist-pumping ass and Becky Bayless trying to be a guidette, that's fine. But don't sully the fucking X-Division belt. Don't do that shit. Don't fucking make Jay Lethal have to fucking monkey around, no pun, you know, no, no racial undertones, with this fist-pumping jackass. It's stupid. It's stupid. The X-Division, known for their innovative matches, their ultimate X-match, fucking ladder matches, great tag teams, great talent, Kazarian, AJ Styles, the amazing Red, Loki, Christopher Daniels, Jerry Lynn, if you want to take it that far back. Fucking Son- even Sonny Siaki when he was there. Those guys innovated that division. They made the, 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 um, they made the division fun. They made the division exciting. Fuck, it made me order a TNA pay-per-view every fucking week. And, you know, I don't blame... I don't blame... And here's the shitty part. I don't blame Robbie E. the wrestler. I don't. I don't even blame Becky Bayless, who's cookie. I don't blame them. You want to know why I don't blame them? Because there are fuckers backstage that write this shit. And they're the ones that say, you know what, we got to do this, this. They're the ones that do it. The wrestlers don't, you know, yeah, they may ask for a push, some guys, but they don't go back there and say, I want to do the fist pump showdown. I really doubt that Robbie E. woke up this morning or when Impact was taped and said, you know what, we should do a fist pump showdown today. That's what we should do. I, I, I fucking doubt it. I don't. I don't. It was, it, it was fucking stupid. Then you got Jeff Jarrett with his stupid MMA gimmick and caskets with fucking the Pope and Abyss. And, of course, it was the Jeff Jarrett and Abyss tag against Samoa Joe and D'Angelo De Niro. Stupid. Stupid. And, and on top of the fact, you got, you know, TNA running this MMA angle when they're on a network that has a, a huge predominant MMA presence. You're making fun of something that's on the network with you. Jeff Jarrett is nowhere near an MMA practitioner. You can't even sell him in that. Samoa Joe, you can because he trains in MMA, and you can kind of do that, and that's fine. But don't, don't do that shit. Don't shit on a sport that, that's on the same network as you. It's fucking stupid. It's stupid. It, I don't understand that. And again, I don't blame, the, I, I can't blame the wrestlers. Like, people sit there and I see people, oh, you know, fuck these. But it's not them. They go by what's written for them. They go by what management says they're going to do. You know, if some poor guy is wrestling once a month and they tell him, dude, we'll put you on TV every month, but you've got to be in blackface. Two things happen. Either you say no and you sit home or you put on blackface and you go out there. 
it's funny because, you know, last week, and I mentioned that on the fan page, I was talking about John Cena coming, you know, wrestling as Juan Cena, his Mexican cousin, where it was basically John Cena in a luchador mask. If you've heard this before, it's because Hulk Hogan did it with the Mr. America gimmick. And my joke about it was that Darren Young, Chaco Cena, should wrestle in whiteface and pretend to be John Cena. should just do that. You know, if you're going to do something and, and, and do things like that, at least, like I said, it's the little touches. You want to do this Jersey Shore feuding shit? At least do something where, you know, Robbie E and Cookie are in a fucking club in Jersey and Jay Lethal fucking pulls up with a, with, a, with a whole bunch of motherfuckers, and they just get into a brawl in a club. Because at least you get a Jersey Shore club brawling reference, and you add some, some realism to it. At least do shit like that. You know? If John Cena wants to play fucking Juan Cena, he should dress like a fucking luchador, and he should fuck, like, ultimate muscle, and he should put on a fucking mask. And not only that, his moveset should be completely different. Not jean shorts and a five-knuckle shuffle. Not that shit you Mark Wahlberg-looking motherfucker, you're supposed to have a onesie and a mask on, and I want to see a Hurricane Rana, a fucking diving bulldog. I want to see shit like that. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see fucking Juan Cena. Don't insult my fucking intelligence. Come on. Come on, guys, please. Please don't do that. I've realized that NXT is no better. And, and you know what? I don't even cover NXT. The only thing I'm going to say about NXT is that Caitlyn won, and AJ is probably going to get put with Primo, who is her pro, and you're going to see them on Raw, and Naomi's definitely going to be on the roster. Does anybody give a fuck about NXT? No. You don't want to know why? It's not on television. It's on the Internet. Who watches TV on the Internet anyway? I mean, yeah, you know, you watch YouTube, you watch porn, you know, shit like that, but you don't genuinely jump in front of your TV to watch a new episode of House, jump in front of your computer to watch an episode of House. You don't. Turn on your TV, cook, and you go to your channel, and that's it. When they took NXT off the air, I said it's because it's fucking abysmal. It stinks. Why didn't you get another programming block? Why not? You can't find a network that'll fucking put on a one-hour program showing hot chicks that can barely wrestle. You can't find one network, one you can't? Are you kidding me? Sci-Fi is giving Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. You mean to tell me that you couldn't give Sci-Fi some more money for one hour? For one hour to get this shit done? No. No, we're just going to put it on the internet. And then we're going to wonder why people hate it, and guys like Joey Styles, who works for us, shit on the product. Not only that, folks, but they're doing a fourth season of NXT. Daniel Bryan's going to be a pro. Alberto Del Rio's going to be a pro. R-Truth is going to be a pro. Chris Masters is going to be a pro. And Ted DiBiase is going to be a pro. Here's the best part. All the guys that they're fucking going to be mentoring, I don't know who the fuck they are. Because I've never seen them anywhere. I mean, they wrestled for FCW and OBW, but come on. I have no idea. And then you're going to see it on NXT. You're going to see it on the web. And then this guy's going to pop up on SmackDown or Raw, and you're going to be like, who the fuck is this guy? And then you're going to go, oh, he won NXT. No one knows. Wade Barrett and those guys are household names because NXT was on TV, and you knew what they were. 
stupid. It is stupid. Either you find some place to shove a one-hour block, or you can it. And then now there's rumors, and I saw actually a casting application that they're going to bring back tough enough. Uh, why? Are you going to get tough enough on the web too? And to close it out, like I said, Randy Orton was hurt. He had an MRI done on his neck to determine what's giving him problems. That's why he hasn't been on Raw or on house shows. And lastly, MVP was released from his WWE contract. They actually asked for his release and got it. He wasn't fired. He did ask. And I think that maybe this is better for him. He wasn't doing anything. When he asked, yo, can I cut my hair because I don't want to have the fucking braids anymore and I want to look different? No, you can't do that. It's part of your character. We sell toys with you having braids. You mean to tell me that fucking Kenner or Jack Pacific or whoever the fuck makes the toys can't swap a head off a fucking five-inch MVP doll? Do you think that some little Cambodian motherfucker in some, in some warehouse is going to give a shit if he has to pop on a head with no hair or a head with hair? Do you think he cares? He's making three seventy-five an hour getting a cup of wonton soup and being sent on his way. He probably sleeps in a fucking closet. He doesn't give a shit. Oh, I want to add something different to my character. No, you can't do that. You know, the guy felt stifled creatively. Not only that, but he hasn't done shit. His feuds with Matt Hardy were some of his best feuds. After that, it was just a fucking clusterfuck. They got rid of the inflatable entrance. Then he changed his music. Then he changed, you know, his ring gear. He started being a little more serious. He wrestles that Japanese strong style, which I always noticed that people just weren't down with. You know, it was all catchphrases and ball and elbow drops for him. You know what? Fuck it. I'm glad he asked for his release. What is he going to do? Sit there and collect the money? That's great. But as, as a human being, you're entitled to have an identity. And some of these guys that you know are innovative from either seeing them in TNA or Ring of Honor or Dragon Gate or in Japan, and then you see them on WWE television, they do five moves and the match is over. It's stupid. When you adjust to the WWE formula from seeing these guys wrestle, sometimes it's a disservice to what happens to them. It's, it's unfortunate. It, it's really unfortunate. But you know what? I, I admire that the guy said, you know what? Fuck it. I quit. And I'm sure he was making some ill dough. And, you know, he had good TV time, but nothing. MVP should have at least had the IC title, and he should have been carrying that. He should have been one of those guys that's a flag bearer for that title. He should have been the guy that's always in the hunt, that's always a challenger, because that's a guy you, you build. He's a guy that had a whole bunch of fanfare. He had really great promos on SmackDown, lots of vignettes, all kinds of shit. And all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 you're just not, you're, all of a sudden you're not good enough. And, you know, don't tweet how you feel. Don't say how you feel. You know, we want to fucking pull the strings on everything. You know what? I wish him the best. Whether he ends up in Ring of Honor and fucking becomes world champion, whether he goes to, you know, TNA, which, you know, in its current state is shit, which, by the way, I noticed a couple of people on Twitter really getting at Dixie Carter, and she actually started direct messaging some of them to actually leave their thoughts on her Facebook fan page. I'm actually going to start that myself to see if she reaches out to me. And you know what I'm going to say? I don't want to respond on your fan page. Why don't you call in? I doubt she'd do it, but fuck it. Why not? What do I got to lose? I really think that TNA needs, needs more of the fans giving them shit. And we have plenty of platforms to do it. Twitter, Facebook, message boards, just a, a, a huge amount of just 
people bitching will make TNA take notice. You want to show uh, a company that you don't believe in their product? Stop watching. I'm sorry, but stop watching. Um, uh, Imperium Mist is on a TNA boycott. She's a huge fan of Amazing Red. Amazing Red hasn't been wrestling, and TNA's just been shot to shit. You know what she's doing? Not watching it. She told me I'm not watching it. I'm not, because I tune in to see wrestling. I don't tune in to see fist-pumping assholes. I got to respect it. And, and for real, she doesn't watch it. Because I, I check in. I'll be like, oh, you know, she reads the fucking recaps, and that's it. Because, you know, you want to be informed. But she don't watch the shit. You want to make a difference for any company or any organization, stop supporting them. And then voice your displeasure. Make yourselves the difference makers, and maybe people will listen and start changing shit. It is what it is. De Silva gets a, a huge shout-out. TNA and SmackDown are the strike force of professional wrestling, and it's, it's no fucking truer statement than that. It is what it is. All right. Quick commercial break. We're going to talk some video games right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in, like, really high voices, like... <laughs> Well, you won't listen to that on our show, because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, let's talk some video games first. Um, I really, uh, you know, I don't mind talking about GameStop because, you know, they get shit on a lot by me because they deserve it. But um, here's something very interesting. A research group, a research group, excuse me, called Cowan & Company asked 1,300 people why they still buy new games overused. The interesting is, the interesting thing about that is that out of the 1,300 people that were asked, 1,001 were gamers. The common reason given is that new game, for new games was that people wanted to buy a fresh copy that didn't have, fra- that didn't have scratches or a dusted cover. 54% of the responders gave that reason. Other reasons including wanting the, day, the game the day it came out, which was 49%. Access to bonus content, 26%. And getting a collector's edition, 20%. Another statistic that came out of this report was the fact that 70% said they'd buy a new game if they plan on playing it for a long time. Doug Cruitt of Cowan said, they suspect that there is a behavioral psychology factor at work where gamers have an easier time justifying the higher price of a new game if they expect to get more use or value out of it, even though the utility of new versus use isn't any different. Let me tell you something. I like reading studies like this, and I like reading notes about it, because it amuses me at some of the rationale and some of the shit that people get asked. 1,300 people were questioned. Only 1,001 were gamers. That means that 299 people could have given two shits about what you had to ask them. Besides that, let's look at it like this. The allure of the new game, and and it makes sense, if you want to have the game day one, that's fine. The fact that you're saying that you don't want a game that has scratches or a dusted cover means are you buying your games at 7-Eleven? Are you buying them in a chop shop? Because let's be legit. I I use Gamefly, 
And if you rent the game from Gamefly and you have the option to buy it, almost 85% of the time the games are in mint condition. In addition to that, you get a brand spanking new case with a fucking instruction book. You don't want to pay full price? Go to ass.com. Go to eBay. There's been ample times where where I've personally sold games on eBay that are mint, brand new. If your rationale is the fact that the game has a dusted cover, either you're fucking monk or you're just a fucking OCD douchebag. Because who cares? It has dust on the cover. Are you playing with the cover or are you playing the game? The scratches I can understand because nobody wants scratch discs. They affect the gameplay. They fuck up the lenses on your system. I understand that. Okay, fine. Access to bonus content. Last time I checked, unless you were Activision or EA where you were charging people an extra premium to get additional, you know, to enable online and things like that, every other used game, you can get that bonus content. It's stupid. You know, you want to get a collector's edition? Let me tell you something about collector's edition. Collector editions. They are horseshit. Unless you want what's being offered more times than not, it's not worth it. Let me tell you a, a funny story. I remember I bought the Halo 3 helmet edition, and I paid $129. And I was super excited. I had this fucking giant Halo helmet that I could put on my cat. And I was super stoked because I'm like, oh, this is fucking awesome. It's an exclusive. Six months later, you can buy the helmet for $70. $70. At one point, it went down to half price. Did I give a shit? Would I have played the game any less had I bought it for 60 bucks a couple of months later? No. Oh, this helmet is limited edition. No, it's not. It's collecting dust. How about... Buy Batman Arkham Asylum and get a giant plastic batarang. How about that? How about the Call of Duty game with the night vision goggles? That was cool. Because it's night vision goggles. You're not, you don't walk into a fucking bodega. You don't walk into Target to buy night vision goggles. So, yeah, the night vision goggles, fuck it. I'll fucking wear them. Who knows? I'd fucking get the night vision goggles and then drive around my neighborhood to see who's getting head in an alley somewhere in the dark just for shits. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know, pay $129 so you can get a Call of Duty remote control car. Why? Why do you need that? Why do you need that? Doesn't You know, Slick, Slick makes a valid point that they're not military-issue goggles. They're not, but you know what? They're fucking night vision goggles regardless. They're, 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 it's something different. It's something not normal. I don't want, you know, uh, an art book or a fucking or a bandana. It's stupid. It's fucking stupid. Like, the, and the fact that the people are using some of this rationale to buy new games, to drop $60 on a game that they'll probably play for a month. I can understand if you drop 60 bucks and you buy the game for replay value and you want it the first day, day one, day one you want it. Fine. But you know what? If you get it two, three weeks later and you keep it for a year, the replay value is still going to be the same had you bought it the first day. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand where some of, the, where some of this logic comes from. So buy the shit used or buy it new. And the fact that people conducted a study on that is a whole other story. We got, 
motherfuckers dying from cancer and AIDS. We got oil killing fish that are probably being served at your local Red Lobster because Red Lobster get the shitty fish. It, you know, we got all this going on. We got unemployment. You know, why don't you do studies on unemployment and minorities and shit that people give a fuck about? You mean to tell me that somebody's actually paying a company to do a study on why people buy new games as opposed to used? What asshole approved that? Who did that? Who? I'd like to, I'd like to kick them right in the dick because that's stupid. Who does that shit? It doesn't make any logical sense to waste money on a study that proves jack shit. What does it prove? That GameStop will continue raping your pockets for used games? That Best Buy makes a ton of money selling new titles? What, what did this study prove is the best part? It proved jack shit! Zero! Nothing! Dark Helmet in the chat says, I have... I have to get new shiny FPS. I need the achievements now. Must max out multiplayer to pwn noobs. You know, it's funny you say that. I can understand that being a day one purchase because you want the achievements, but let's be legit. The achievements aren't going anywhere. And if you're good at an FPS now, you'll be good at an FPS two weeks from now. So the fact that motherfuckers do that is stupid. I don't give a fuck about it. I really did give two shits about achievements. If I get them, great. If I, don't, I think my, my fucking gamer score is like 6,000. I don't even give a shit. And I, and I finished a, a decent number of games. Do I care? No. Do I replay the game looking for the achievements? No. I don't give two collective shits about them. Fuck them. Moving on. We got some Black Friday sales numbers. Nintendo DS reports that the company... Nintendo reports that the company netted one point, sold 1.5 million units during Black Friday. 900,000 of that number were driven by Nintendo DS sales, which is a combined sales of DSi and DSi XL. The other 600,000 came from the Nintendo Wii. You know, I'm not surprised. They released the Super Mario bundle. They got a couple of cute games that people can play. And they, they priced themselves competitively. In addition to that, you know, you've got a couple of different colors. You've got bundles with Mario Kart, Mario Party, New Super Mario Brothers, all that shit. And that's the kind of shit that's going to move units. I mean, don't get me wrong, Microsoft did it too, but 1.5 million units is nothing to fucking scoff at. That's nice numbers for Nintendo. I definitely give them props considering they haven't put out any fucking games in ages. It feels like I haven't played a first-party Nintendo game in ages other than Epic Mickey, which came out today. And I really would like to see MPD numbers for that. But definitely props to Nintendo for that. 1.5 million, Black Friday? Nice work, guys. And it looks like we got our first call. Let's talk to Slick. Yo, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? What do you got? Uh, just want to go off a little bit on this, this special edition shit, especially when you mentioned Epic Mickey. Because I'm looking at the offer for for the Epic Mickey Special Edition, it's like the game is fifty dollars. The Special Edition, I think, is what, is it sixty nine or is it seventy nine? No, it's seventy bucks. It's seventy bucks. You get a, a extra disc which has basically the interviews that anybody can go to my take radio and watch. We already we've already seen. You get a Wiimote skin, which has a little splash of blue on it. 
Wow. And you get a $5 plastic Mickey statue. Oh, that's fucking fantastic. So you're paying $80 for that, which which is great. It, it really is great that somebody's going to go out of their way to pay 80 bucks for a Mickey Mouse toy that you'll get out of a fucking vending machine. It gets better. Continuing to rag on Disney a bit, I'm looking now at the Tron Evolution Collector's Edition. Because, you know, the regular game is going to be 60 bucks. The special edition, going back to your little Halo story, <clears throat> is $130. For more than double my money, I get the game. I yeah, get a right. fancy, yeah. I get a light cycle that doesn't light up. And I get a little slipcase to put it in. No, no, excuse me. I get a drawer to display it in. And I get $10 in movie money to go watch Tron Evolution in theaters, which is utterly fucking useless when you consider that Tron Evolution 1 is in 3D, 2 is an IMAX movie, and if you really want to see the movie, you got to pay 20 bucks to see it yep. for ticket. That's true. So it's like, yeah, you gave me half off, but... I spent $130 fucking dollars on this game. You could give me a free IMAX movie ticket for that. It's true. The IMAX ticket, the IMAX ticket at least is, is, a, is more about, if they said to you, you pay, you pay 80 bucks, you get the game, you get the snazzy life cycle. You, you know what you should do? They should, you should get the game, snazzy life cycle, avatar costumes if you buy it for Xbox, and an IMAX movie ticket, Fuck it, I'll pay for it then. Because, you know, you get, you get more incentive. You get more shit. But, you know, to get a fucking a toy that you'll prob- that'll probably collect dust on your desk and just bullshit, it, 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 I don't understand why, why it would go to that, to that level uh, of fuckery, of shenanigans. And you want the answer? Because By all means. Because dickheads will buy it. That's fucking terrible, dude. Terrible. Yeah, it is, but it's the truth. You know what the best part is, though? That, like I said, half of these games get tie-ins on Xbox Live where you get Avatar shit. Why don't, why don't they say, you know, buy the limited edition, redeem this code, get three of the costumes that, that are for Tron on the Xbox Live Avatar store, for your Avatar. You get three Tron costumes. Get the life cycle. Get one IMAX movie ticket so you can enjoy the movie the way it's meant to be seen. Do it, do it right. If you're going to fucking, look, if you're going to fucking, you know, jam your fucking finger in my asshole, at least put Vaseline on your finger first. Seriously. If I'm going to get fucked, at least make it, make it enjoyable. No. They, not, they didn't dip their finger in the Vaseline. They dipped, nope. it, in the hot, they dipped it in the habanero hot sauce. It's it's terrible, dude. It's it's a disservice. Absolutely. Anything else to add, my friend? Not right now. I'm just wondering how this game would have sold if it actually came out on Black Friday. Which one? Like if, they, like if they put like, let's say if they just put out the Tron Evolution, the the exclusive edition on Black Friday, 
because companies have done that once in a while. Like they'll put out the special edition first. Cause I remember um, when Blaze Blue first came out, the special edition came out a month before the regular edition, which was like ten bucks cheaper. But the the special edition was regular price for a video game, so it didn't really matter. I mean, with something like that, at least you don't get freaking finger fucked. But not when not well, when Disney's behind the wheels. Well, here's here's a here's something that that you know is, is interesting in regards to that. Let, let's take Epic Mickey. Epic Mickey came out Tuesday, and I said to myself. Why didn't you put the game out the week of Black Friday? Don't you think that it would have been it would have gotten more hands on it and more eyes on it that week than coming I mean, don't get me wrong, people are still gonna get it for Christmas and shit. But don't you think you wanna capitalize on one of the days when people are dropping the most dough? It would have made more sense because people wouldn't have actually paid attention to it like I'd have bought it if it came out on Black Friday, and I haven't bought it yet because now I'm looking and it's falling way below the hype. It's getting it's not go. getting bad reviews, but it's getting very mediocre reviews. Yeah, well, there you go. Now we'll see what we'll see how it pans out. I'm I'm dying to see these MPD numbers because I really want to see, you know, how much of an effect Black Friday had on game sales, because to be quite honest, and you saw it on the fan page, I said it. I'm like, gamers didn't really reap any benefits on Black Friday like they used to. I remember last year and the year prior, you know, oh, we got, you know, 50 games at 20 bucks or 50 games at $10. Remember when Best Buy did their $10 game sale? They had a whole bunch yeah. of great titles in there. You know, that, yeah, there was a, you know, you get Def Jam Rapstar for 35 bucks, which is fine. Because, you know, that comes with a mic and shit, and it's more expensive. I don't mind that. But you should have made almost all of those new release games $35. Like, I shouldn't have walked in there and seen Splatterhouse for 60 bucks. Every new release game that came out the week of Black Friday, and, and any re you should have done any new release in the month of November will be on sale on Black Friday for $34.99. It would have gotten more units sold. It would have gotten more revenue. And not only that, it would have made more people come to your store. Not to, not to say that Best Buy wasn't packed because that, that, you, you needed CSI in there and a rape kit because shit was bad. But it wasn't on the level of, you know, mass hysteria like it usually is. Dude, I was in Best Buy at 12.30 on Black Friday in Baldwin. It wasn't packed. There you go. I mean, the novelty it was is for, for a Friday, for a regular Friday, but for Black Friday, it was pretty much empty. I got I picked up the, the Blu-rays I wanted, got online, and got out the store in five minutes on Black Friday. Yep. Well, here, here's a funny one. Sears had a washer and dryer on sale for $200 a piece. Now, think about this. A washer for $200. You'd think motherfuckers would have burned down the store to buy washers and dryers for $200 a piece. A buddy of mine walked into the store at 5 o'clock and was still able to buy a washer and a dryer for $200 a piece. 
It's not what it used to be, man. People are becoming a lot smarter. And I don't, not only that, but I don't want to be trampled to death. I don't want to deal with your B.O. I don't want to deal with your post-Thanksgiving turkey farts. I just want to buy my shit and go to fuck home. Exactly. A lot of people right. are more interested in, like, Cyber Monday than they are Black Friday now. There you go. Cyber Monday was fucking better than Black Friday. I, even, I, even I can attest to that. All right, man. I'll, I'll talk to you in a little while. Then. You got it, brother. Later. All right. Let's go through some of these other numbers. Um, Microsoft Connect, of course, dropped, I don't know, give or take, a month ago, 25 days ago. And uh, they've sold about 100,000 units a day, and it's sold 2.5 million units worldwide. That's fucking big numbers. Microsoft is attributing some of that sales boost to Black Friday, in which most stores were completely sold out of them. That's partially true. Connect was the top performer at Target this week and said Nick Niyar, Vice President of Merchandising for Target. We expect Connect will be the must-have gift this holiday, holiday season. Of course you do. So Target will continue to receive consistent shipments of the Connect through December. The hands-free active gaming experience that the Connect offers is something that everyone in the whole family can enjoy. Don't get me wrong, I walked into a few stores and there was no Connect units, but there were a couple of stores I went into and they had a, that's a decent handful. I definitely see, see it gaining steam for Christmas. I really would like to see what happens with the PlayStation Move, just because, you know, Sony's like, oh, we, saw, we, we shipped 4 million units. And then people started turning that into they sold 4 million units. No, they didn't. They shipped them. The number I want to know is sales numbers. I don't give a fuck about what got shipped. I care about sales numbers only. So nice work for the Connect, though, 2.5 million units worldwide. Here's something I thought I'd never see, at least not this quick. Um, Reuters actually put up a, a, a little news blurb about Microsoft wanting to offer more channels for gamers. Similar to they want to almost do a cable service that offers the gamers channels with either standard broadcast programming or new programming. I tell you what, I've seen it already. I mean, you know, if you have a Apple TV, you can watch, you know, video podcasts. You can watch your own programming. In addition to that, you get a, um, you know, you can watch Hulu, you can watch all that shit, which is great. I honestly think that Microsoft, and, and again, this is, if they were smart, they would partner up with our buddies at G4, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, but they would strive to offer in unique programming for the console, whether it's game, uh, you know, game reviews that are on, video game reviews that are, that are shown with personalities from G4, or just unique programming that's shown. You know, I don't want to see cheaters on my fucking Xbox. I don't. I don't want to see cops. I don't want to see RoboCop for the 50th time. I don't want to see Predators. I don't want to see shit like that. I want to see, you know, WCG Ultimate Gamer. I want to see, you know, into, you know, original programming like the Tester, which, you know, PlayStation 3 does. I want to see stuff like that. I want to see offerings that are something that gamers give a shit about. I do. You know, if you're going to do that, and you're probably going to charge a little bit of a premium for it, whether it's through gold memberships or, or 10 bucks a month, and you want to turn the Xbox 360 into a fucking TiVo or whatever the fuck all-in-one home theater solution, then at least give great programming. 
give me that. If you give me that, I'll be happy. That. Nonetheless, G in some G4 news, they actually announced that they signed a three-year deal with the ESA to be the official broadcaster of E3. Normally, they renew the contract annually, but the e, but ESA is trying to restore some faith in the network, especially since DirecTV dropped them. Um, definitely got to give props to G4 for that. Um, E3 definitely deserves mainstream coverage. Um, Spike TV does it to some extent, but G4 is the network that should be doing it. Same thing with Comic-Con coverage. But again, give us coverage we give a fuck about. Don't give us, a, don't give us B.O. jokes or, hey, look at this chick dressed as Princess Peach with her tits hanging out. I don't care. I don't. Give us good programming. Show us some panels. Show us shit we've never seen before, and I'll take you seriously. But if I still have to see cheaters and all that bullshit, then fuck you guys. But they deserve a congratulations for being the official broadcaster for E3. Now, I didn't, thought, I didn't think I'd be saying this for this particular segment, but I actually have some what-the-fuck video game news. Here's what you want to see. And you guys, I'm sure, are going to love this. According to a rumor, and again, this is a rumor, but I'm sure you guys are going to believe this because it sounds way too good. According to a rumor by UK magazine Games Master, Halo Combat Evolved, the first Halo, may be getting a remake. The magazine says that there is industry chatter that the remake will use the Halo Reach engine. It will be released in 2011, a year before a real Halo sequel in 2012. UK Xbox boss Stephen McGill said the following, I imagine it's a good idea. This also would support Microsoft Game Studios corporate vice president Phil Spencer's idea of wanting to increase the frequency of Halo releases. However, Spencer also had a bit of, skept of skepticism about HD remakes. If you can provide real value to the customer, there could be possibilities for that. But I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Still, it would be nice to take, in the, uh, to take on others and hang them higher, cheer on over Xbox Live, which is true. I actually think that people would want to do that. I actually liked the online component for the original Halo. Hang them high was, was definitely a, a, a fun map to play. But let, let's be real. Let's call it like we see it. It's a remake of something that's not that old. It's like me remaking Assassin's Creed Brotherhood because, you know, we want to do it in 3D now. It's stupid. Yeah, you want to make it Halo Reach Engine, and that's great. But, but in the end, after you strip all that away, it's still Halo, the first one. Not even the second one. The first one. I can't even believe that when I read that, that that's what it was going to be. I said to myself, oh, maybe it's another Halo. And then I read the article, and I'm like, they're remaking the first one? Really? Holy shit. But, yeah, that's the rumor, folks. If it ends up becoming true, of course, you're going you're gonna to hear my, my, my wonderful spiel on it. But the fact that that's even being entertained as a remake is, is beyond me. Let's close out the video game news with this. 
those of you that are playing Lara Croft and the Guardians of Light, you're going to start getting some new choices with some new skins. You're going to be getting Kane and Lynch instead of Lara Croft and Totec. In addition to that, here's some names you may have you haven't heard in a long time. You're going to get skins that will allow you to play as Kane and Raziel from the Legacy of Kane series. In addition to that, you're going to get two challenge packs, Things That Go Boom and Hazardous Reunion. This is going to be the first time in seven years that Kane and Raziel will be back in action. So, online game, reskinned, and characters like Kane and Raziel from Legacy of Kane just, just get brought out of the cobwebs. That would be a fucking great new game to make. How about a Legacy of Kane new game? How, you know what? How about an, an HD remix of the original Legacy of Kane? That game was fucking sick. You know, for freaking sucking the blood out of people, and it was just like blood vomit. It was awesome. Why don't you do that? No, let's just remake Halo, because that's what we do. We remake Halo, because there's not a ton of other shit out there that we can play. No, no, no. Let's remake Halo, because that's what we want to do. With that said, let's get into some movie news. That was, I, I want to actually use that as a segue for the movies. I've actually been contemplating doing little segues like that between segments, like wrestling music for wrestling and MMA music for MMA. But um, Blog Talk Radio seems to be up to their fuckery because I heard that through my headphones, and I swear it sounded like it was going to vomit, like somebody was vomiting out that music. It was just stuttered and utter shit. So I sincerely hope that um, it doesn't sound that shitty on the replay, because if it does, uh, hopefully you guys heard it and it sounded nice and clear. But um, let's talk some movies. Box office totals first. Of course, with the holiday weekend, you know that box office numbers were going to be ridiculous, because you stuff your face, and then you go to the movies, and then you go shopping at 4 a.m. at Target, or you go shopping at 4 a.m. on Target, then wander your ass into the movies to continue spending your money. As such, here are the box office to- totals for this week. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, $50.4 million, number one, obviously, $220.4 million total. Tangled was number two, 49.1, 69 million dollars. Megamind, 12.9 for the number three spot. That's a huge difference between Tangled and Megamind in terms of profit. Megamind has made $130.5 million. Burlesque was number four. Unstoppable was number five. Love and Other Drugs was number six. Faster was number seven. It's made $12.2 million total. Due Date was number eight. The Next Three Days was number nine. And Morning Glory was number ten. Thanks for the feedback, guys. I will uh, try and clean up that Scott Pilgrim audio and make it a little lower. Thanks for that. Some Hobbit movie news. Of course, you know that Peter Jackson is going to be doing a two-part 
uh, I, I, you could say it's a two-part remake of The Hobbit. Um, it's going to be in 3D. According to Red Studios, Hollywood has announced that the film will be shot using the upcoming Epic digital cameras. The Epic camera is the, sub, is the successor of the Red One and has 5K resolution, which shoots up to 120 frames per second. In addition to that, it has an HDRX mode, which gives the highest dynamic range of any digital cinema camera ever made. The Hobbit is going to be the first production to use the Epic camera. They'll be using at least 30 cameras for 3D, and two cameras will need to be mounted on each rig. So you're going to be seeing a really well-done 3D Avatar-like Epic with The Hobbit. I'm not shitting on this because everybody knows shit's going to be 3D, but they're actually laying out the money for really great technology, and the Lord of the Rings movies made great use of technology like that for the trilogy as it is. So seeing them invest this much money, it shows that they're not half-stepping, and they're really trying to get in there and uh, really, really get it in. Strider gets line of the night for saying that Peter Jackson needs to do a documentary about him going on a diet and making a three-part series. He should also have a co-star in that, and it should be Kevin Smith. But that's another story, and I love Kevin Smith, but he's getting a little big. Moving on, Warner Brothers Home Video has announced that they're going to be releasing a all-star Superman movie on DVD and Blu-ray February 22nd. Of course, this is going to be the latest flick from the DC Universe animated series, and it's going to be about Superman in his last days on Earth as he deals with a slow degeneration due to radiation poisoning. They actually got a really great voice cast. I enjoy the DC Universe animated films a lot, and they got some really great uh, voice talent for this. You got James Denton as Superman, Christina Hendricks as Lois Lane, Anthony, Anthony LaPaglia is going to be Lex Luthor, Ed Asner is going to be Perry White. Um... Linda Cardellini is going to be the character Nasty. In addition to that, you got voice work from Arnold Vosloo, uh, Fanola Hughes, Alexis Denisov from Angel, uh, Michael Goh from Batman, and John DiMaggio from Futurama. All-Star Superman is going to be made by Bruce Timm and directed by Sam Liu. It's based off the Superman comic art of the same name, which is All-Star Superman. The two-disc DVD set, you're going to get 90 minutes of bonus content and the Blu-ray is going to have two and a half hours of extra material. In an article, which, of course, you saw on MyTakeRadio.com, Jeffrey Donovan announced that he is set to direct a Burn Notice prequel, which will be about Sam Axe. They're going to be filming on location in Bogota, Colombia in January. The movie is going to be a two-hour-long movie that will air on the USA Network in spring of 2011. Um, basically, the plot is going to be about a faction of Colombian rebels that are, um, need assistance, and they're going to be getting help from Lieutenant Commander Sam Axe. And as the mission unfolds, of course, Sam is going to see some dark secrets, and he's going to find out if what he is doing is worth fighting for. Definitely, I love Burn Notice. I like what they're doing. I like the great writing and uh, the witty dialogue that they use. So definitely seeing Jeffrey Donovan behind the camera um, is definitely going to do this prequel justice. So I'm looking forward to that. And you can expect it, like I said, in spring of 2011. Here's our first bit of uh, movie news that are definitely, you know, what-the-fuck movie news. First off, Walden Media is interested in bringing back Benji movies. The original Benji, of course, was about a heroic mixed-breed dog that came out in 1974, and there were a thousand sequels. They tried to bring the franchise back in 2004 with Benji off the leash, but nobody gave a shit about it. 
Uh, Brandon Camp, who's the son of the original Benji creator Joe Camp, will produce the new movie, and there's a nationwide search for a dog to play Benji. Does anybody give a shit? I guarantee you, it'll make money just because Alvin and the Chipmunks and all that shit make money, but does anybody really give a shit? It's like telling me you're doing a sequel to Balto or doing a sequel to All Dogs Go to Heaven. They're great movies, but no one gives a fuck about them. They don't. It's like telling me you're doing Beethoven's 25th. No one cares. It's fucking Benji. It's about a dog. Make, make a cartoon. Make it a fucking Disney show. But you're really going to spend millions of movie dollars on this? Really? There's tons of other shit out there. Well, we got some, uh, some more Uncharted news this week. Um, Uncharted, Drake's Fortunes director David o-, o. Russell says that the upcoming adaptation of the popular video game will focus on the game's hero Nathan Drake, as well as his extended family. Russell says that he's now halfway done with his script, adding the idea really turns me on that there's a family that's a force to be reckoned with in the world of international arts and antiquities, a family that deals with heads of state and heads of museums and mets out justice. We'll have a family dynamic, which we've done in a couple of movies now, and then you take that and put on the bigger, more muscular stage of an international action picture, but also put all that character stuff into it. It's a really cool idea. Russell went on record as saying that the film is a locomotive referring to Warner Brothers' intentions to fast-track the project. Let me tell you something. You want to say that Drake's Fortune is a family film and, you know, it's all this and there's, uh, you know, families that deal with heads of state and they met out justice. You know what those families were called? The O'Connells. You know where we saw that before? In the Mummy films. You know what happened with that? After the first one, no one gave a shit. People got, were still mildly, mildly entertained with the second, but by the time the third rolled around, nobody gave a shit if Brendan Fraser was fucking killed by the mummy. No one cared. Uncharted Drake's Fortune is a movie in and of itself when you play the game. The plot is the movie. You don't need family. You don't need hokey shit. Just take the movie, excuse me, take the game and turn it into a movie. That's it. Don't add all this dynamical shit and all this family shit. Just take the game, pluck the plot right out, and then make the movie. That's it. Pluck the plot, make the movie. It's like, it's like comic books. Same shit. Read the comics, bring the plot to the silver screen, make some adjustments, but not too many. You want to turn Uncharted Drake's Fortune about Nathan Drake into a family film? Like, well, like what, like Pirates of the Caribbean? Is that the kind of shit you're doing? <sighs> Here's some other uh, movie news I'm sure you guys are going to love. Columbia Pictures announced today that Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, which I talked about this a few weeks back and now it's official, are set to star in the contemporary adaptation of the 1980s young adult police drama 21 Jump Street. Both stars are also executive producers on the project as well. The movie will be directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller from a script written by Michael Bacall. Jonah Hill also worked on the original script treatment of the film. So let me get this straight. You're going to get my buddy, my favorite wigger, Channing Tatum, and my favorite go-to fat guy that's not Seth Rogen for Jonah Hill, 
to bring forth 21 Jump Street. Why? No one cares. No one. I, I mean, it might work. It might be good. But really, that, that, that's what... You, and, and Jonah Hill, what member of 21 Jump Street do you remember was fat? I mean, don't get me wrong, Richard Grieco isn't exactly thin now. But, I mean, when you watch 21 Jump Street back in the day, who was a fat guy? What, the guy with the mullet? The, 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 the guy with the jet black mullet? Was he fat? I don't remember. I don't think he was. I don't, I don't think he was a fat dude. But I guess that's what they're going with. But um, 21 Jump Street, folks, that's going to be the next movie. And you know what I got for you guys? Some Uwe Boll movie news, because, you know, we love Uwe Boll. Every time his movies come out, I feel like this. Oh, my God! Ah! 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 Oh, that's better. Ah! 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 Here you go! Ah! 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 That's how I feel whenever I hear about Uwe Bowl flicks. That, that's, that's what I do, because it's almost a guarantee, a guarantee that they're going to suck. They're going to suck from Blubberella, which is a real movie, Blubberella. Look it up, because I've talked about it. From Blubberella to Postal to Dungeon Siege to Blood Rain 1, Blood Rain 2, Blood Rain 3. Stinks. I don't give a fuck what he says. He was on Opie and Anthony, and he sounds like a, like a cool dude. But, dude, your movies suck. How do studios give you money to make these, these steaming turds? How does that happen? It, it, I got an idea. Let's make a movie about a squirrel with a machine gun that holds up laundromats and ends up having sex with strippers. And then the squirrel goes into space. And while he's in space, he meets Jesus. And Jesus and the squirrel go on an adventure together with Neil Patrick Harris on a flying unicorn. Let's make it. That's the kind of shit that happens. That is the kind of shit that Uwe Boll does. And, and you want to know what the new one is? It is a sequel to the Dungeon Siege flick that he did with Jason, with Jason Statham. That's what it is. And here's the best part. In the sequel, which is going to be called In the Name of the King 2, it's going to be about the son of Jason Statham's character because, you know, Jason Statham is smart, and he said, fuck you, bloke, I'm not doing this shit again. And you know who's going to play the son? Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren is playing the son of Jason Statham's character in a sequel to a movie about Dungeon Siege that maybe five people saw. Are you guys with me? Ivan Drago is playing the transporter's son in a, in a movie about a game that nobody gives a shit about. Here's what Ball had to say about it. It's a contemporary flick right now. Big city. We have Dolph Lundgren basically being a cop or a fighting coordinator, and he's also a fighting coordinator working on this. And one night he gets attacked by, attacked by ninjas in his house. In a, it, during the battle with the ninjas, he gets sucked into a vortex. And then it turns out it's like 50 years after the first In the Name of the King ended. And Ev is destroyed and everybody's dead. Jason Statham and everybody who was in the first part got wiped out. 
They say he was basically sent into the future. He's the son of Jason Statham, and he was sent into the future, brought up in an orphanage, and he's the last survivor, and he has to bring the kingdom back in order. That is the plot. That is, I, I, I kid you not, guys, that is the plot for this movie. It's Uwe Boll, Dolph Lundgren is playing the transporter's son, and he gets sucked into a vortex while fighting ninjas, and he has to save a kingdom that was destroyed in a movie that nobody gives a shit about. Oh, God. Fuck. <laughs> I have to laugh at this because, again, I, I admire that Uwe Boll gets money. Like, he really knows how to throw that game on to get studios to say, oh, yeah, we'll fucking pay for that. Like I said, Blubberella. Look it up. Look up the YouTube trailer for Blubberella, which is a movie that he's making about a, a woman fighting Nazis who's the equivalent of Barbarella, obviously, and she is fat. She's a fatty fighting Nazis. And I think there's even a couple of sex scenes with said fat girl. Why? <laughs> Why are you doing this to me, Uwe Boll? Why? But um, in keeping with the theme of fat people, I don't usually bring TV stuff in here, but this shit, this drivel that I'm going to tell you guys about just had to be discussed. VH1, which you know makes great programming, and you know one of their great hits, The Bad Girls Club, is getting a new version. It's going to be about plus-sized bad girls. And it's going to be called The Big Girls Club. I kid you not. The Big Girls Club. Now, here is the casting release that VH1 put out. You're big and beautiful and, and know how to own it. You're fat, fab, and chick and have the big and bold personality to match. You've got the style, sex appeal, and sass to get noticed without being a sample size. Time to show the world that big girls have more fun. As soon as I read that, I want to stab myself in the throat with a butter knife. As soon as he says, you know, you can, you can substitute big girls for black girls, Spanish girls, one-legged girls, amputee girls, um, colostomy bag girls, girls that shit in bags, girls with no stomachs, conjoined twins. As soon as you hear it's conjoined twins and they know how to have fun, you know it's, it's shit. It is utter shit. But anyway, here's the rest of the release. VH1 in association with Doran Orford Casting and Left Right Productions is now casting the hottest, most bodacious, voluptuous single women who are at least 21 years old and appear younger than 35 to represent the BBWs in a brand-new docu-series that will show a long-awaited glimpse into the ultra-world of big girls. If you, if you have your cake and eat it, too, we want to hear your story. Whether you're a nightlife A-list, a full-size fashionista, a big and business-savvy, or single and mingling with L.A.'s hottest, we want to meet you. Step aside, skinny bitches. The spotlight isn't big enough for both of us. Big girls don't cry, they freaking party. I'm not even kidding. Email biggirlsclubcasting at gmail.com with your name, age, phone number, and two recent photos, preferably poster size. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but look, I have no issue with you wanting to do a reality show about, about plus-size girls. 
I have no problem with plus size girls. I like meaty girls. I don't like skinny girls. I also don't like morbidly obese girls that need to be taken to the doctor with a forklift. Let's be real here. But I just wanted to read to you guys that what VH1 put out to, to entice these BBW, these big girls, to, 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 to go on this show to probably get ridiculed and be made fun of. But they put it in such a way where there's a thousand fat jokes in this. It's like, step aside, skinny bitches. The spotlight isn't big enough for both of us. Why? Because you hate them? Like, there's so many jokes. Are, are you a full-size fashionista? Are you making your shirts out of drapes? Are you making your pants out of fucking garbage bags? Do you have to shop in a fucking Costco to get your pants? Ugh. I like how they go, are you big and business savvy? Like, what does being fat have to do with being business savvy? What is, what is that? Are, and I hate, I hate the word bodacious. Bodacious was relevant when the Ninja Turtles were on television. What big girl is bodacious? Are they riding fucking, are they riding the little fucking scooters to go into the club because they're fat? Like, I don't understand, like, like the logic in this. And then they want to call it the big girls club. Let's be extra shallow. And, and so, why, don't you, why don't you just call it the whale club? Why don't you just call it whale watching? Why don't you just call it whale watching? VH1 presents whale watching club. We get to watch plus size beauties swim around in a pool all day. That's what we do. And then we get to watch them fight as they swing the arm meat hanging from their triceps at each other while they brawl instinctively. Tune in this Sunday, 9 o'clock, VH1, We Know Reality. Really? I like, I like what, what Slick said, that it should be done in the Buffalo Bill voice. Now, in thinking about that, that would have been better. We're looking for the newest, hottest, bodacious, voluptuous single women who are about a size 14 and appear younger than 35 to represent BBWs. Uh, would you, uh, great big fat person, uh, you about a size 14, VH1, step aside, ugh, why? VH1 should be fucking firebombed. Firebombed. Really? Oh, fuck you, VH1. I, you know, Flavor of Love and all those train wrecks, I don't mind. But then when you start getting into Bridal Plasty and fucking the Big Girls Club, I, I, we're, we're, and then they wonder why the Jersey Shore gets popular. Because you make shit like this about fat chicks fighting. Why? Because you know there's going to be big girls fighting. And you know you've got to play Call of the Wild animal noises while they fight. What'd you say, bitch? Why'd you touch my pizza? As, as our meat just flaps around and they beat the fuck out of each other. That's what's going to happen. That is what's going to happen, I'm telling you. Our meat and fist fights. Why'd you take my donut? Fuck you, bitch. Just our meat flapping around and shit as they yell at each other. I hate you. I hate you. You took my last ho-ho. We go into the club. Because you know, you know that, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to get a fat country girl 
You're going to get a fat black girl. You're going to get the one big girl who's really cute and has a pretty face. You're going to get one of them, and then you're going to throw in some diet jokes, and you're going to open up the refrigerator, and it's going to be full of purple stuff and Sunny D and pork grinds and fucking chitlins. Ugh. That, that's what's going to happen. It, it, it's, it's, it's appalling. It, the, the, the show pretty much is just going to be, it, it's going to be this. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be this, which, which I'm sharing with the chat because it, it, it's, it's perfect. The, 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 the show's going to be encompassed in a photo that I just put in the chat because it's, it's insane. It is insane. And I, and I see we got a caller on hold who I know is going to want to discuss this. You're on the air. What's up, Greg? Who's this? Waffles. Holy shit, Waffles. What's going on? What's up? It's been a while since I called in. Yeah, man. Are you fucking calling me? Are you calling me from a hole under the fucking Texas-Mexico border? Because I can fucking (laughs) barely hear you. Uh, No, I had you on speaker at first, but no, I took you off already. Um, No, but I actually wanted to say... Are you fucking kidding me about that big girls club? Nope, not like, kidding you. 100% legit. That's actually proving how they're running out of ideas for even, like, TV shows. Dude, think about this. Think about the fact that you want to be nightlife's A-list. and I just like full-sized fashionista. Full-sized. I, I, I like that. I like singling and mingling. As soon as you as you, as soon as you put I N in anything, it automatically becomes cool. Singling, uh, mingling, eating and shitting. <laughs> Damn, uh, that's just it's terrible. terrible. It, it's bad because basically, like you said, it's, you have the bad girls club, and then all of a sudden you have the big girls club. But it's, they're just using like the same idea of just trying to make something stupid out of it. And of course, like you said earlier. They're going to just do it for people to make fun of the big girls. Not even going to pay attention to the whole story, huh? Yeah, nobody's going to give a fuck about these girls. Let me tell you something. You're going to have, like I said, you're going to get the the token big black girl who's going to be walking (laughs) around, "Mm mm-hmm, I'm beautiful, I'm voluptuous, I'm fantastic. Then you're going to get the chubby Spanish girl who's like, I'm plump, and I like gorditas, and they used to call me a gordita (laughs) when I was little, and they used to say I was chunky. And I'm beautiful. And then you're going to get, you know, you're going to get a southern big girl that, you know, I love to eat. Paula Dane is my favorite chef. Then you're going to, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get shit like that because they're going to find the dregs. They're going to find this. And let me tell you, uh, again, this isn't a, this isn't a, a volley at big girls because big girls need love. But it's just the fact that, you know, VH1 is going to dig into the pits of shit they're gonna they're gonna dig into the pits of shit to to drag up these big girls, and I like how they're like, yeah, just you know, send two recent photos, and you know what you're gonna get? You're gonna get thousands of MySpace pictures where you take the picture at an angle, and you're just gonna see big floppy tits. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow! <laughs> no, but do you kind of notice that? Huh? You know you're going to watch it, dude. You know you are. No. Hell no. <laughs> no. Like, 
if you think about it, there's kind of like a pattern too. Since, like I said, they're running out of ideas for what they show, like what to show on TV. Remember, they have they had Army Wise, and then all of a sudden you see that there's a commercial of Football Wise, and then what? You had Bridal Wars, and now I don't know if it's MTV. They're doing that from the make, makers of Jersey Shore. They're doing the my big fat wedding. It's like they're doing yep. stupid things. Something like that. I was like, "What the hell? Think of something creative. Don't just remake the whole thing. Just call it something different." It is true, but this, this is the way it's going to be going from now on. It's going to be just lack of originality and remakes of remakes. You know, there'll probably be a remake of Glee next year with um, gospel choirs, and it's oh, just going to be, you know, Reverend Run and a whole bunch of a whole bunch of minority kids singing fucking What's Love Got to Do With It and shit like that, <laughs> and people will watch it. That's what's going to happen. And all that's next, everything could becomes 3D as well. Oh, yeah, it'll probably be in 3D on television, too. I'd watch the big girls club in 3D. So when that girl is... So imagine the, the, imagine the, the companies <laughs> that are lining up to, to have their products displayed on this show. I'm just going to go outside before I go to the club and get me a Subway sandwich, and then the chick winks at the camera. Or you're going to have the girl saying, I'm going to go and pick up my outfit from Lane Bryant. Wink, wink. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's my two cents that I want to put in. Like, this is just an awful idea. Yeah, it's it's fucking fantastic. But it's... um. It's good that you called, dude. I wanted to actually just let everybody know Waffles is celebrating a birthday. He's uh, officially turned 21. I'm kidding, of course. Um, <laughs> so, happy birthday to you, Waffles, and uh, thanks right. for calling thanks in. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. You take bro. care, man. Later. Later. All right. Let's wrap up this movie news with this last bit of info. Rob Liefeld, of course, who is the creator of the Deadpool comic book, is not happy with 20th Century Fox, which is the company behind the film adaptation. And he's been putting out a lot of shit on Twitter, voicing his displeasure. First off, he tweeted this. Dear Fox Studios, get your act together. Deadpool is not Green Lantern. Deadpool is not a family film. Deadpool is filthy. Think Expendables. Also, Fox, find your balls and film the script from Reese and Wernick. You'll make loads of money and thank yourself later. It boils down to this. Ryan Reynolds, Mr. Sexiest Man Alive, paired with... Best comic script ever written. No-brainer, make Deadpool happen. Of course, Reese and Warnick did Zombieland, and they are working on Zombieland 2. And as such, I'm sure they wrote a really great script, but I have to admire what Rob Liefeld is saying. He's keeping it real. Deadpool is not a PG character. He shoots people. He breaks the fourth wall. There's ultraviolence. There's heads getting blown off. There's all kinds of shit that needs to be seen. And... If you even think that this should be a PG movie, you're fucking stupid. You're stupid. Period. I like what he said. It's filthy. Think Expendables. He's right. It, Deadpool is, a, is, is an action-driven comic book. There's shit getting blown up. There's gunfights. There's sword fights. There's fisticuffs. You can even throw in some, some, some cameos from other Marvel characters just for fun, and you can have him break the fourth wall. Ryan Reynolds is a funny dude. He's good at being uh, sarcastic. He's good at being a prick. He's good at that shit. It works for him. And he likes the Deadpool character. And to see this movie not give, be given the justice it deserves is unfortunate, especially when you have the creator telling you guys, 
what the character should be like. If you don't do it the way he's telling you, it's probably going to suck. It's, it's like what we were saying with the Punisher a while back, with the original Punisher with Thomas Jane. While it was a good movie and it was very story-intensive, it wasn't what the Punisher's about. You watch Punisher Warzone, Ray, Steven wasn't, Ray Stevenson wasn't the best Punisher, but it encompassed what you would find in a Marvel Max Punisher comic. Ultra-violence, shit getting blown up, people getting thrown through windows, nudity, you know, you need all that. You need it. It's essential to the character. It's the same thing that me and countless others have discussed with Wolverine. Wolverine was made to sell toys. It wasn't made to sell a character. Wolverine, is, he gets pussy, he fucks, he, he, he slept with a whole bunch of chicks, he cuts people up, he drinks, he smokes, he's belligerent. Wolverine is the, is, is the antithesis of every good guy hero in the Marvel Universe, yet when you make a movie about him, you paint him like he's such a, like, like, he's, fucking, like he's fucking Chuck Norris in Walker, Texas Ranger. That's how you paint him. He's like all goody-goody and shit. That, no, no. You need Wolverine like you saw in X-Men 2 when he killed all those security guards. You need that. You need the Wolverine that was shown in X-Men Origins Wolverine the game. Same deal. Ultra-violent character. Stop worrying about making money and start worrying about making movies that matter. You don't want it to end up like Watchmen. You don't want it to end up like Scott Pilgrim. Then put a little more effort into making the movies, you know, be true to their comic book counterparts and you'll be able to get that audience. Wolverine is not a character for kids anyway. He's not. He kills people. Wolverine kills fuckers dead. He's like, he's like the raid of the Marvel Universe. He is. There's no negotiating with Wolverine. When he cuts you, you're dying. And if you don't die, it's because you've got a healing factor or some crazy shit. He fucking cut Sabretooth's head off in the last comic, killing Sabretooth. And you're like, all right, nigga, fuck you. I'm cutting your head off. And yeah, I dropped the M-bomb, I don't give a shit. I'm a minority, and I approve that message. The fact is, and I, we've, we've talked about this in, in countless shows, and it's always been something that we complain about and we, and we goof off a lot in regards to continuity and the way that their comic book counterparts should reflect um, on the silver screen. It happens often, and it's a gripe that we'll probably be fighting about and complaining about eternally just the way it is. But I admire the fact that Rob Liefeld is trying to protect his character because he knows that if his character isn't done right, it's going to suffer from the mainstream standpoint because nobody's going to want to touch the Deadpool character ever again, not even for a cameo. That's pretty much it. It's, it's unfortunate, but I admire that he's, he's fighting hard to protect his character. Well, with that said, folks, that's actually going to wrap up the show for this week. A couple of things. Um, definitely want to give a couple of shout-outs. Got to give a shout-out to Ryan Storm from Beantown Gamer, who was my guest last week. Of course, a shout-out to the MMA Gospel Crew, who were part of the MMA, pa uh, of the MMA panel last week. Um, MMA Gospel can be listened to live Wednesdays at 8.30 on the Blog Talk Radio Network. It's blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel. Of course, shout-out to the crew at MMAValor.com, Josh and all those guys, MMA Valor Matt, all those guys putting in great work at MMAValor.com. Of course, De Silva, who's in the chat, he writes for MMA Gospel. You can check out his articles on MMAGospel.com, and you can follow him at De Silva MMA on Twitter. 
In addition to that, got to give a shout-out to the VGN crew and all their shows, Northeast Wasteland, uh, VGN Radio, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, of course, with Don Anderson, which is Tuesdays at 10 on the Blog Talk Radio Network, Cleveland Sports Radio, uh, Soiled, and the crew from BornStubberRadio.com, great supporters of the show. They do a lot of great graphics work for My Take Radio, so if you ever need any graphics, definitely drop uh, Blaine from Born Stubborn Radio a message, too, because he's done some of the some of the stuff you see around for some of the My Take Radio stuff, um, in addition to all our regular logos as well. Um, Darksiders crew, of course. Darksiders 2 is in production. Hayden Dalton and Han Rondawa, I'm hoping, will be back when I can get some more information on the show. In addition to that, of course, 411mania.com for all their great wrestling and MMA news. In addition to that, MMA Junkie deserves a shout-out. MiddleEasy.com deserves a shout-out for their great MMA news. FilmDrunk.com for their movie news. All of our guests, of course, Ronaldo from Superhero Stuff, um, Consequences Creed, uh, The Deadliest Warrior Crew, all of those guys and anybody that I forgot, you can actually look for their links on the link tab on MyTakeRadio.com. Just check that out. Head over to the link section if you want to follow or link up with any of the past guests or any of the sites for those guests. Of course, in regards to that, that's pretty much going to wrap it up. You've just heard My Take Radio episode number 68 for Thursday, December 2nd, 2010. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode, you can email me, mtrhost at gmail.com or mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow my personal account, which is twitter.com slash akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, the number 25, or you can follow the show account at mytakeradio, all together as one word, mytakeradio, all together. You can also follow some of the My Take Radio staff on Twitter as well. You can follow Slick. He's Slick MTR on Twitter. You can also follow Brian. Brian is also one of our writers for the site. He is all at he's at Brian Bronx on Twitter. You can follow Ant on Twitter. He's Ant MTR. Andrea is Andrea MTR, and Josh is Josh Fold on Twitter. So you can definitely link up with any of the staffers on Twitter. Share your thoughts and concerns there as well. In addition to that, stop by the Facebook fan page facebook.com slash mytakeradio, and last but not least, the forums, mytakeradio.com slash forums. If you got any questions or you use Formspring, we're actually doing a little something on Formspring as well. It's formspring.me slash mytakeradio. If you got any questions or got any weird little tidbits of information you want to find out about the show or any of the staff, by all means, you can use formspring.me slash mytakeradio, and of course, Good old MySpace, which seems to be going the way of the dodo. We have a presence on there as well. It's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. With that, that's it for this week, folks. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the support. And I was a little bit hard on you guys, but it's only because we strive to make shit better for you. See you guys next week. I'm out. Peace. This week it's going to be Super Mario Brothers 3 Pipes Remix by 7th Epic. You can get that at ocremix.org. Enjoy.